welcome to The Truth in His Heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I'm in conversation. I'm happy. I'm pleased. I'm elated to be in conversation with a Philadelphia-based painter, singer, songwriter, producer, who seamlessly combines art and music, giving audiences the opportunity to see her artwork unfold while listening to the music that she has written and performed. Please welcome Sarah Kane. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, <laughs> how are you again? <laughs> so it's good to be here. Yeah, um, I, it's funny. I always like put a little extra flourish on the on the introductions. Mm-hmm. People, people feel like, oh wow, well, I need to take that. I need Ooh. to put that. A, I need to take that the ringtone or something. <laughs> so, you know, as we get started, um, I, I want to um, kind of dive into something that's either going to be frightening or is going to be like I could talk about this for hours. Let's talk about you. Well, uh, what's your, what's the Sarah Kane story? Uh, describe your, if you will, describe your earliest experiences with art, fondest art memory, and what you grow up listening to because you know music is a big part of your background. Huge. That's a huge question. So that's a loaded answer. Um, my earliest experience with art, I think, was like maybe carving pumpkins with like my family and knowing that my older brother was like really dope at making it look scary. And so like he was one of my my older brothers, like one of my idols. And I was just like blown away by it. Um, I knew that my aunt on my mom's side was really great at doing stained glass um, art pieces. And yeah. then um, I always knew that my father's brother was really great at painting. And then like, we all just kind of talked about it. And I'd say maybe my first structured, my early, some of my early structured memories and possibly what you could consider lessons would probably be watching Bob Ross, to be honest. Like we used to watch it all the time and we just loved it. and. My dad sometimes would try things like I think Bob Ross would have kits, yeah. so he would try it, and he he actually was good, but he just like didn't consider himself a painter. He considered himself a musician. So I feel like I probably got lessons there um, watching Bob and just like <laughs> his appreciation for nature, really. Yeah. But I just was watching. But um, my earliest, I would say, time I really took art seriously would definitely be when I hit ninth and tenth grade. So yeah. our classes in school were 90 minutes long. We had block scheduling out of nowhere. Yeah. And I went from the middle school, you know, where it was 45 minutes of class and you spent half the time setting up and breaking down. And I thought that art was just kind of whack. I, I <laughs> thought the classes were whack. You know what I mean? Like I thought it was like clay coil pots. I thought it was like, eh, like I didn't feel <laughs> compelled to do anything. But then in those classes, we had a teacher that was like, all right, go grab your project from the drawers. And if you don't say, wow, it probably sucks. <laughs> and yeah, and but he was intense. And that was like the first time I saw an intense art teacher and I just kind of responded. And then it just started happening. I didn't really know that I, I could do it yeah. until then. So thank you. But what I grew up listening to. Yeah. Ugh, everything from, I'd say classic Southern rock, blues and things like that uh definitely the band that influenced my family probably the most was the allman brothers my father my father played the same instrument and actually sounded like greg allman mm-hmm. when he would play in bands oh, and wow. uh he was pretty obsessive about it he'd be like this is a lot but um <laughs> you know it's really amazing because that was one of the first bands you know when you grow up you just listen to them and you think oh that's that's great but the more I learned about them growing up, the more I realized that in that time period, 
you know, you had a lot of um, racial tension down there in those in those southern areas. And they were one of the bands that did not get down with that. They had a black drummer. They had a bunch of other they, they, they had a mixed band. And yeah. I never knew that growing up you know that that was like the flavor of it and that's kind of what ended up being on my project as well like a bunch of different everybody yeah. and so I, I i felt really proud about that because i was like all right that's really amazing that we got raised on that sound and we got to know what that sound is when everybody just gets along and rocks you know that's great so yeah. And I, and I think you kind of started answering part of my my second question here so mm-hmm. uh, tricky uh so creatively what would you say your your first love is? And I feel like it's music, but I, I want to really kind of like peel that onion back a little bit. Like creatively, what's your what's your first love? Creatively, I'd, I I would definitely I would definitely say music. I mean, it's just been, but I I really didn't know anything without it. I mean, my father was in band since he was sixteen. Mm-hmm. My mother met him while he was playing in his band, right? <laughs> so like, music was the part of my whole life. Like, we have video of me at like two or three years old like dancing in the grass, rocking out, like with like a little bowl cut, my bangs, you know what I mean? My dad's like singing and I'm just like, yeah. And then we have some old recordings of like me playing Mary Had a Little Lamb, singing Mary Had a Little Lamb, but I would like make up my own verses. I would like- oh, A little remix action, I see. Yeah, like I would kind of just like be banging and like I'd take the school one day part like off on a tangent or something. Yeah. And so like I was doing things like that forever i'd say music is my first love i can't um but art is kind of i'd say i've I've told people music is the thing that like gets everything out in a fiery way and in an honest way but Mm. art is like the still place i go to so it's like two opposite ends of the spectrum for me yeah I, I think back when you, you mentioned you know being a being a kid and kind of just rocking out i i, I remember like some of those like early points and mm-hmm. I remember i was like maybe five or something i was the mc uh for our graduation and like like pre-k or something for what can for- <laughs> yeah which is wild because like i get the wild stage fright now i mean i hide it really well but <laughs> i'm like yeah do you want to see a six foot four man crumble here you go and did uh, you did you like have a name for yourself as the mc um no it was just me in a suit with two big two like glasses that were really big like this <laughs> i looked very cute but also i was just like i was very awkward too i was trying not to smile the entire time <laughs> kids i don't know and uh and i remember you know back in the day right we had some type of dispute with the landlord and this kind of ties to just i guess how i go about things and answering questions and maybe just saying things that everyone is thinking but no one's going to say mm-hmm. i just remember my my uh the landlord was saying something that just wasn't quite accurate i may have been five i may have been four i just remember in the courtroom saying liar liar pants on fire as a kid and i was like no this is going to stick with me for the next 30 plus years of <laughs> this is the thing that people are thinking and i'm just going to say it so you'll you'll thank me later you'll appreciate me later right so, so you're like the blunt side Oh, 100%, 100%. But also like being that that, that person that's going to go to that next level. I think as an adult or as I've gotten older, I found ways to kind of rein it in a little bit while still being authentic, still being truthful, but rein it in in a way that it's a little bit more palatable for people. Because if you just go full, pew, 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 nah, doesn't work. Doesn't work all the time. Nope. Nope, People not even like, family. <laughs> it's like, can you give me that 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 cough syrup with a little grape juice, please? Thanks. 
Yes, exactly. So when you're taking, I want to talk about process a little bit here. So, you know, in generalities, obviously, uh, when taking on a project, like, you know, you know, you want to start working on something. What is something that you do in the middle? Something that you start off with, rather. So the first thing that you do was something that's in the middle. And what's kind of that last thing you do, like when you're you're kind of finishing up? Because I would imagine, you know, you hear that thing with painters. Uh, you know, painting's never quite done. So that's where I'm kind of going at with this. Yeah. So are you talking specifically about painting or are you talking about music? Which one? Um, in general, general. So either painting or music, like just kind of speaking on process. Okay. So I'd say in the beginning, I let it really overtake me. Mm. Meaning like, um, if I'm, I wrote the majority of my album where on the guitar and I was actually learning guitar at the time. So like when I, I had spent, I had been learning music since I was six on piano, but when I had started learning guitar later in life, I just, I was in that zone of like learning again and trying again. And then I would get ideas because I had never done those things mm-hmm. on guitar. So I would just let that overtake me and I would just maybe sit for hours and, and work an idea out. I would let it, when I say overtake, I just mean like, if I'm in the shower, I'm thinking about it. If I'm driving the car, I'm thinking about it. Or maybe I make a rough recording and I listen to it in the car. Um, yeah. With the art, I would say I have learned, my process has become refined in the beginning where I might, I always start in the middle and find where like a middle reference point is. And I tend to go with one color. So I might thin the mm. color out because I work in oil paints a lot. Yeah. So I thin the color out and I treat like a thin brown color, almost like I'm pencil sketching. Yeah. So like, I'm doing a rough sketch with that and it's a thin oil. So if I mess up, I could just wipe it off, right? Like a pencil. And then, but I still let it just be free and I let it go. I don't think about being perfect. If it's a big color block, like a big blob of a house, I might just do a big block. I'm not going for detail. I'm going more for vibe and feeling. Um, Like, all right, that's here, that's there, that feels good. All right, I want to focus on that. All right, I'm going to detail that. All right, I'm not going to do this. In the middle, I'm probably just, I would say doing it right. So in the recording process, I'm going to, um, I thank God I can record myself, you know, so I, if I need to redo, um, I have plenty of other people who now record me and help out too. But, um, if I need to record myself, I can just take hours and hours to get it right and get out what I'm hearing. That's hard, you know, like stepping it up to what is really, I think should be felt and what I'm feeling for this. Um, do I need to push my voice to a level of screaming? Do I need to push it to a level of extreme intimacy? What am I, what do I have to do? Right. And then, um, so taking the time to really do it. And then with art, I'd say in the middle, I'm really hacking out proportions. Like I'm hacking out, well, what do I want to do? Very detailed, very finite and, and zone like, like really, um, focus in. Yeah. zoom in on this and and what's fitting on the canvas versus um and i'm picking colors i tend to be pretty bold in my colors and i i don't paint like some people paint like a face and then yeah. they move on to like the shoulder they move yeah. on to whatever i tend to if i mix a color i tend to it's kind of weird <laughs> and i don't know if this will make sense but i'll mix the color and then i will look and kind of the way you might do selective hearing where if I said, hey, listen to your podcast and see if you can hear any pops and, and, and extra noise that we need to clean up, yeah. right? You selective, you turn your ear to selective hearing. I turn right. my eyes to kind of focus on the color I mixed. So I might blur my eyes 
only to and then I and in the blur, I'm only focusing on well, what's the green shape that I just mixed. Okay, well, where's that green shade everywhere else in the painting? And so by me kind of doing that and jumping around, I'm constantly kind of playing connect the dots yeah. and and constantly rechecking my proportions as I work. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, it what I mean? so it's like yeah. if I like if I put a triangle of brown, but then all of a sudden when I do orange, it's like a square. And then that triangle looks really off compared to that orange square where I put things on, then I can fix it. Um, Got it. Yeah. In the end, I would say music is a huge process. So in the end, you know, you're mixing, mastering, listening to it a ton. Um, if the art doesn't, all I'll say about the end process is if it doesn't happen fast, then I let it happen slow. You know, like if I'm messing it up and if I'm in like a funk or if I'm just not getting anywhere, I put it down and I'll stare at it for a little, for, you know, a while, I'll give it time. So that's something we're going to put a pin in because I, I know we have a question later that kind of attaches to that. Okay. Um, so I want to ask you this. This is that bullet point question to it. What is an art bomb? <laughs> so I think that um, when when you become conscious of what you're really doing, mm -hmm. I think that a lot of intention matters, right? Like anything you love to do, it's not just about, oh, I'm hosting a show or, oh, I'm painting this picture, it's like, well, what do I want people to feel? What do I really want to happen? Or what am I really feeling? You know, um, so I feel like an art bomb for me is like, since I wrote this song, I spent time to write it. I meant those words. I experienced those things. I took time to play the guitar, learn the guitar, call up other musicians, took time to pick the right musician. You know, like personality matters on music if you really know what you're doing as a producer it matters who you call you know um you can't have some egotistical maniac person that doesn't even that might be fantastic but if they don't believe they're fantastic then they might be playing too much or something you know you have to just be wise who you call and um and if not you better coach them well as a producer <laughs> um so um that and um have, going through that entire process, which sometimes a song like this, but as an independent artist could take a year and a half to get done, right? Yeah. To pay your mixer, to get your thing into doing quarantines, whatever. And then on top of it, taking another 30, 40, sometimes even my longest painting is around 200 hours to wow. express. Yeah. Then that I would hope in a world today where sometimes it's hard to look to artists to actually believe what they say and believe what they do. I would hope that once people really can intake this, that, so there's two sides to the art bomb. One is I hope you take me seriously in my intentions, right? right? I hope that my intentions match. Like you can see, I work, I did this, I love what I do and I live it. But on the other side, I also think that an art bomb is something that will, because of the way it's delivered musically and visually, it mm -hmm. allows the viewer to like, if they want to zone out from the art and focus on the music, then they'd listen to that. If they get sick and tired of focusing on the music, they can focus on the art. And it kind of like traps you in this thing of experiencing it. Yeah. Um, and if you feel like checking your phone, who cares? You look up, you might see a different place in the painting, yeah. just like you might notice the bridge is different the mm -hmm. 10 time you listen to a song, right? So I think it just allows people to really have their own interpretations because like my body isn't even in the photos. I mean, my one self-portrait is, right? That's yeah. That was intentional, right? Because that's a song about me. Right. But like, 
I, I just think that it allows people to have their own experience with it. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it sounds immersive. It's uh, immersive. It makes you think it, it's, it's very, I think it just gives you a different perspective in consuming and experiencing the art um, than the work that's there, mm-hmm. whether it's the music, whether it's the, the visual component to it. And I think it gives different perspectives. So I, I like that. Yeah. A lot of people have said, I'm glad you took the time to do this. And so like, I think that a lot of times artists, anybody creative can get trapped in the thought of thinking that we shouldn't respect ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so just seeing someone take the time and putting it out, I think can help inspire artists to respect themselves because a lot of artists deal with mental health issues and, you know, and half the time that they just would have respect for themselves and understand they are gifted and they deserve respect, you know, it wouldn't be as rough as a road. Yeah, which um, that brings me to this question. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because we're we're mm-hmm. talking about being aware and being mindful. So inevitably, there are going to be those things that kind of just catch you. You're like, uh, I don't feel like recreate. I don't feel like creating. I don't want to do this, blah, blah, blah. Um, describe like something in your day that you must do that just kind of keeps you centered, keeps you right. And, you know, for some people it might be going for a run um, or some sort of physical activity or mindful pra- mindfulness practice or even getting your favorite coffee drink. How do you plan out your day and what sort of like mindful sort of things that you kind of do to make your, your day run a certain way, make your day run w- right? It has shifted. Okay. So it, it used to be, um, I might come, I might, um, being healthy and working out my body has always been a huge factor of being able to focus mentally. Um, I feel like, and I grew up that way as an athlete playing college sports. And I feel like I just always had it, but it, without knowing it, um, now it's like, I used to be, I used to, um, how can I put this? When I was working weddings all the time, I would get in at like 12 o'clock, one o'clock at night. And I still was creating this album. So I might mm-hmm. stay up until seven or eight o'clock. So I, in the morning, so yeah. I would budget that time to like, all right, I wouldn't book certain things on certain days. Cause I knew I was going to be up real late, but like now it's different. I have like a lot more daytime jobs, right? I have the teaching at the college, teaching these kids, private lessons. Um, I am getting a lot more painting commissions than normal and I'm trying to work this album. So I have to like, be awake, be functioning. So I'd say the normal things I do to keep myself focused now, it would normally be going out for a run. And it was always, I did yoga for about five to seven years. And then I just went through since 2020, I went through like about a year and a half to two years straight of multiple different injuries from working out. Yeah, it was, it was pretty debilitating. Um, Like I had a torn rotator cuff, I couldn't play guitar. I couldn't really sit at the canvas for a long time without feeling my shoulder sag and in terrible pain. Um, I couldn't go for a run because I had pulled some things in my hip a couple years ago. So like normally those things that you mentioned were my things, right? Mm -hmm. So for me now, I would say I have to take the time to get very healthy food and cook for the week. So I have, because I don't have time to cook all the time and my schedule is so off. So I feel that I, I am severely affected if I eat poorly, my Mm. brain kind of gets anxious. I can't keep things together. I forget a lot. And so as of right now, the most important thing for me is to like really buy like my haul of vegetables every week, cook them and have like a week's worth of food ready. 
Um, I do have coffee in the morning. I do have protein in the morning. I do make myself eat breakfast. And that really does help me get through like teaching my classes, taking the hour ride from Philadelphia to where I teach um, without like one feeling like I need to go do that, like go find food. And, you know, it's like I, I think that's treating my body healthy and really taking steps to eat well right now is my biggest focus. So makes sense. And I, yeah. I think that's kind of the same thing for for me. If I'm if something doesn't go right, it feels like it's almost a snowball, and I have to kind of reset and recapture it. It's like, all right, nope, these episodes are going to go bad. Nah, mm-mm. let's just start and do something else. Let's do something else. And you know, it might be I'm not going to have time to eat this week. I like to look at doing a course of a certain week or what have you, I might have 18 interviews and the day job and all of these different things. And those interviews require a certain amount of research and so on. So I'm like, all right, let me just look at potentially 54 hours or so towards the podcast in a given week and then having the 40 hour work week. So right there, we're in the nineties and trying to figure out how I can steal time, how I can measure it. And sometimes certain things fall to the wayside, like maybe going to the gym, maybe cooking, you know, good food. And I found ways to kind of hack that a little bit, whether it's, you know, buying meal kits and just like, you know, this is food. I'm going to put the work in early on to get an idea of, of what's quote unquote healthier but I can't just eat potato chips all night. I can't just like, ah, well, here we go. You know, no. I, I, I find that it'd be some instances where I'm still drinking the coffee from that morning and drinking a beer, which not a good combo, not not a, not the best combo, but no. it is a combo, but it is a combo though. <laughs> it is a creative combo. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember at one point I took a, like a shot of whiskey as a pre-workout and I was like, look, I got to figure this out. This is, I'm all over the place. Mm-mm, no, but I mean, that's when and, I know it's out of whack. Yeah. And that, that goes back, I feel like that piggies back into like, we are taught so much this whole like starving artist mentality. And even though we might not be making buku bucks at certain points, like to have that opinion of ourselves makes us act differently, right? Mm-hmm. Like as soon as we have this feeling of respect for ourselves, it's like, okay, the better I am as an artist, the more transparent I am. So mm-hmm. that means if I'm feeling like hell, I'm going to transfer yeah. hell into my work right or i'm going to bring an attitude to this thing this interview right so you need to be conscious of that and take that seriously like we are a good artist i think is very or good creative or somebody who's you know in these um fields is very transparent yeah. no matter what they do so yeah that's great that's i'm glad you're not taking shots before you work out <laughs> yeah, that's fine <laughs> yeah but that's, that's when it's not going right but when it's it's going right things are moving be- moving beautifully and even when things aren't ideal at least you know there's kind of that safety net safety net that one can rest on that inevitably when you know they they need to kind of jog things through they need to kind of push through and get the work done at least from my perspective and kind of making content having deadlines and things of that sort i'm able to do it and it gives me wiggle room in case something goofy happens yes so i got two more real questions and then i have some rapid fire questions for you so this 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 question here um i i like to make my work um sometimes uh more challenging than it needs to be, especially when I'm feeling creatively stifled. Um, I'll forget questions. I'll uh, leave a piece of equipment just so I can kind of hack something loose in my brain of like, oh, let me just improv these questions. Like, I can do this. I can just do it off the cuff. It's like solving a puzzle sometimes. How do you like 
in, insert certain challenges within your work to make it more interesting. Like, you know, we, we, I go through a podcast and I don't want to feel like I'm winging it. So, you know, when you're doing a lot of different stuff. So do you add anything into your work to make it more challenging to kind of jog loose some new creativity? I would say now, um, like musically, yeah. if I'm working on a song, it might not be, oh, I plan out writing down the lyrics so much. Maybe I just, I like to get on, you know, put the headset on, get in the session, and then just see what my voice wants to do as it improvs and vibes to the track mm -hmm. um, instead of writing it all down. Like letting my body react to me feels a little bit more valid than always sitting there and dictating what's going to happen. Um, as far as restrictions in that field, it's more based on like, we're not really restricting. We're really focused on um, good quality mics, good quality sound capture, maybe going back kind of in time and finding studios that have like really great outboard gear and like stuff that isn't just so into Pro Tools and into, you know, any sound effect I could pull out of the air. Something that just is very authentic and machine based. Um, meaning like we're turning a reverb knob instead of pulling up a reverb plugin, right? Yeah. That's like the biggest <laughs> you know, raver you ever felt, you know. So um artistically, it's different. I don't um I would say the thing that pushes me in a binding way mm -hmm. is that maybe I don't I give myself a little less time to get things done sometimes. So like because I'm always doing this and because I'm always talking about it, doing it, pushing old projects, whatever I'm doing, I feel like I need to live my life too. Yeah. And so I'm not always going to just wake up every day at 7 a.m. and do a painting before I head out and drive an hour to work, right? Yeah. I'm going to sometimes just say yes, and then I'm like, all right, I know I got this thing to do on the weekend. I'm going to stare at the picture more, and then I'm going to just paint as fast as I can and trust myself. And that ends up usually being pretty good. I, I don't, I haven't had, I remember a couple of years ago, I would feel like anxiety in the middle of working. And now I don't feel anxiety. It's just like, all right, whatever, I'm going to get it done. I don't know how, but I'm going to get it done. I'm, I'm not going to think about it. So I don't, I know that for my next project, like for this project, for this album that I put out, that, mm -hmm. well, that is in the process of being released, I wanted to do, I wanted to paint something as long as I wanted to with no bounds, no deadlines, and just see what happens when I put my all in and when I say it's done, period, not for a yeah. client. And I didn't charge anyone any money for commissions for about a year and a half. And I got these 10 paintings done on my own just to do that. Nice. But um, I think for the next project, I might want to kind of confine some things as far as like, I'd like a bigger space. I would like, um, I would like to maybe incorporate like my whole body into it, but maybe I incorporate, maybe I just, I just wear like one color and like I'm matching the color of the wall or something. And then like, so I'm disappearing into the wall and the canvas. And then I'm painting it and it's just like a bigger piece of art. So yeah. that's something I would like to kind of confine into, but I, I haven't, I'm still in the process of putting this one out. So um, I do respect that though, like, you know, picking three or four instruments and then doing it. But to me, it feels like I'm not doing that to confine myself and creative, become creative. It's more like I'm, that's just what I feel it needs to be on the track. And so I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. Thank you. So here's the last real question I have. 
so I often revisit like Austin Cleon and I revisit quotes and things of the sort. And one that sticks mm-hmm. out is you can't be content with mastery. You have to push yourself to become a student again. Can you share how like teaching art and music informs your practice as an artist and a musician? Yeah. Um, so I think that when you get trapped into feeling um, that you're a master in something, even when everybody's telling you that you're fantastic at what you do, I think the trap of it is that you don't feel inspired by your own work anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like it doesn't feel like great inside to feel like I'm just the best at this. I think that, you know, teaching has helped me learn to really respect people more and explain things a hundred different ways if I need to in order for them to understand it. And then to see, I think the main thing that teaching gives me inspiration wise is that one, I have to learn new things in the college courses I'm teaching now just to be able to teach these students. So I'm literally learning new things in order to teach the class and get paid. Right. So that inspires me. And the classes I'm teaching now are like about learning pro tools, talking about the very beginnings of mixing music and mixing sound. And so that is very inspiring to me because when you hear sound and frequency, I tend to think, well, you know, how does that, I know that frequencies are part of our satellite transmissions, Wi-Fi transmissions, our phones. Like I, to me, I tend to, it tends to make me like branch out knowledge and see, see the world as like uh, an inspiration. Yeah. Um, the other thing it teaches me is that like to just, the more layman's terms I have to use to explain to to the students, the more um, it makes you feel like you're not so much above someone else, right? You 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 have learned to talk to everybody in relatable terms because you really believe that they can relate to it, yeah. right? So I believe I can relate to people. It teaches me to relate to people, not think I'm separate from other people. Um, and then just to see people who are gifted and very young and don't know it and then you understand like that inspires you. I feel like that inspires me because it's like, it's a real precious thing that you want to protect, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and that just feeds into the whole respect side of it. Um, the, how do I, was part of the question, how do I keep myself inspired or was uh, part of the, or just the teaching side of it, just right? The, just the teaching side of it. Yeah. Yeah, the teaching side, I mean, because I, my perspective from teaching is like when I teach young musicians, I don't teach them from a perspective of like, oh, I'm making you great. It's more like (laughs) you have been taught to think that you can't do this or you're only supposed to pick one thing. And, and a lot of times with singing, you'd be surprised. So many people are good at singing and they have no clue and, and they think that they have to go somewhere else. They have a fantastic projecting speaking voice and then when they go to sing they 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 let go of that posture and they sing very quiet and meekly and they they just think there's no way i could be that and i can hear it in their speaking voice so i i just i i love teaching because it's like it helps me believe and have faith in myself so um and to want to continue to learn and like there's so many musicians and artists in philadelphia that are like way farther on their journey than i am so like, you know, I, and they treat me with respect. So I just feel like I, I see a lot of end zones of like people that are two decades ahead of me in their progress and they're still learning. So, I mean, I'm not really questioning myself as far as what I create, you know? Yeah. I'm always checking myself and making sure it's feeling the way I want it to feel, but I don't really have words for that. That's why I'm doing the art. 
right? I don't have yeah. words like mm, it feels wrong. I mean, I could tell you that like the blue is a little off and it doesn't feel green enough. You know, that's the basic thing. But really, it's just making me feel like I'm staring at the thing I don't like. I want to be able to stare at the whole thing yeah. and not worry about it. So, you know, to see other people working in their amazing ways and just we're, we're all kind of doing it together. I mean, the one thing that the last thing I'll say is that I think you could be a master at any level, really, you know, as long as you're just like freely doing it and you're not thinking, mm -hmm. I think it's the potential to be amazing at the first time you do it yeah. without even knowing it. So thank you. Thank you mm -hmm. for that. I agree. Uh, so I think that's a good place for us to start with the real questions. And I want to quickly okay. in the, these last moments here um, hit you with these rapid fire questions. And I'll start off with this preface. I read that you played Division One softball and was ranked in the top 50th hardest girls <laughs> to strike out nationwide in your senior year. So I have three quick pitches for you. Three strikes, you're okay. out, right? Uh, okay. So uh, there are 25 hours in a day. How do you spend the extra hour? Oof. How do I spend the extra hour? Worrying about the work I have to complete. <laughs> fair. <laughs> yes. That's fair. <laughs> uh, what is your go-to lazy dinner? You know, food prep is a thing. So what is your go-to lazy dinner? You, you've had a long day. You haven't made anything. There was no meal prep. What is some, something go-to? Is it ramen? Is it like, I got, you know, make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. What is that go-to lazy dinner for you? Okay, so I do have a special place in my heart for ramen. But I've uh, I've upgraded it from just the basic package. You know, I might slice some mushrooms and throw some spinach in there, you know, and let it boil and kind of like affect the juice. And it kind of does, you know, <laughs> bold it out. Or we'll say, um, you know, adding crushed red pepper to ramen does help, you know, things. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, um, but Grubhub, right? Especially since the, you know, I'd say Grubhub is the lazy dinner now. Okay. And lastly, um, you know, since since you're you're, you're teaching folks, I got to ask this one: uh, street smarts or book smarts? Which one do you value the most? Street smarts. Oh, we because, back. <laughs> <laughs> because like, you got to know how to talk to people, and half the people out here killing in the field didn't pick up a textbook. You know, like I didn't pick up a textbook in order to be able to do it. Yeah. You know, like. And, you know, so like, and, and, and street smarts, you got to know how to respect people because you never know who you're around. You never know who might be dangerous. You never know who might be the person who gives you your next opportunity. I mean, the guy who hired me at the college, David Ivory, I met him from another musician who brought me to do some background vocals like 10 years ago. Yeah. I had no idea this man was ever going to give me a job at the college, you know, and mix some of the music on my album. Like if I had been some diva-esque, background singer because that's what singers are told they're supposed to be right like you know singers have this bad rep that they're like real dramatic and real yeah. diva like if i had just done that because like come on people you gotta i think to me the most important statement is people remember how you make them feel right not yeah. what you do so that's true so with that, I want to, one, thank you for being on this podcast and sharing a bit of your story with us. And two, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out. Everything Sarah Kane there is. The floor is yours. All right. Thank you. Thank you first so much for accepting my request to be interviewed by you, right? Because you had put it out there and I had definitely reached out. So thank you for interviewing me and um, thank you for giving me a chance to talk about things that I love. Uh, you can find me anywhere that Sarah Kane artists. So Sarah with an H, S-A-R-A-H, 
K-A-N-E, and then artists. Um, you can find me at sarahkaneartist.com. That's my website. Tons of information, fun stuff there. Uh, my IG is the same. My Twitter is the same. And my Facebook address is the same, Sarah Kane Artist. So um, other than that, hopefully you can check me out on my YouTube channel, Sarah Kane Artist, and you can really see the things we've been talking about, the music videos that combine the art and the music together. So there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Sarah Kane for coming on and chopping it up with me. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, music, creatives in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for them. Oh,